With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. People keep telling me they know me. No one does. But I do. From Babu Freak to TIE Fighters to the voices of Star Wars past, Oscar nominees David Acord and Matthew Wood of Skywalker Sound join us today to talk about their rich work on Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. The film pays homage to the franchise by incorporating the iconic Star Wars sounds of the original film's legacy sound designer Ben Burtt, while incorporating new sounds and new characters. Acord and Wood share their little-known behind-the-scenes stories. David Acord was the film's supervising sound editor and sound designer, and has a previous Oscar nomination for The Force Awakens. Supervising sound editor and five-time Academy Award nominee Wood is also a Star Wars franchise vet, with prior nominations for The Last Jedi and Force Awakens. The pair also worked on Jon Favreau's The Mandalorian, recently winning a Motion Picture Sound Editor's Golden Reel Award for the Disney Plus series. During this podcast, they also reveal their secrets behind creating the voice of Baby Yoda. I'm Carolyn Jardina. Welcome to The Hollywood Reporter's Behind the Screen. So thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thanks. Would you each introduce yourselves? Sure. I'm Matthew Wood. I'm the supervising sound editor. Uh, I'm David Acord, uh, supervising sound editor and sound designer. Congratulations on your nomination. Thanks. Obviously, this is the next step in a very big franchise. Would you talk about how you balance some of the classic sounds that we know, such as the sound of the lightsaber, with some of the newer sounds in this film? Sure. So Matthew and I have been working on these Star Wars projects and the recent era since Force Awakens, but also Clone Wars and, and Rebels uh, shows, Resistance. And Matt worked on all three prequels. I, I worked on two of those. Uh, so we've been kind of dealing with new Star Wars sound effects, integrating those with legacy sound effects for, for quite a while now, for, for like 20 years. So there's no real trick to it. It's just uh, trying to 
create that Ben Burt sound, um, if that's at all possible. Nobody can quite match what Ben does, but we, we do our best. So, yeah, that's, that's the trick is to, if you're going to make a new TIE fighter sound, is to kind of examine Ben's recipes for what a TIE fighter sound is and kind of make that thing, but with your own ingredients is sort of uh, to extend that metaphor. So Ben's ties, it's an elephant scream, and uh, it's, a, it's a race car on wet pavement. Um, those are kind of the two primary elements for the TIE fighter pass by. So for Rise of Skywalker, for example, for like the, we call it the, the TIE flip moment where Ray flips over Kylo's TIE fighter and that whole approach, that's all, all new TIE fighter sounds. So we use new elephant scream sounds. I use some other an animal screaming sounds. No animals were harmed during the recordings of that. Um, uh, some other motor sounds that we kind of use for to give it more power. That was kind of a thing also with some of the older legacy sounds. The sound environment that you were mixing for in 1977 was primarily mono or stereo. There wasn't a lot of, there was some surround options, you know, but uh, most of the theaters were mono and stereo. So low end wasn't, a lot of dynamic range wasn't really much of a consideration when recording sounds um, way back then. So that, that's a thing that we sort of are conscious of now is taking those classic sound effects and sort of applying more dynamic range to them and mixing an atmos. And because Ben Burt is still at Skywalker's yeah. Sound, do you consult with him? Was he part of these discussions? Uh, he has been in the past, yeah, for sure. Ben's, Ben's a great resource for not just for anything Star Wars, but just for you know, sound in, in general. I mean, he's, he's kind of the main reason that building exists at all is uh, the tech building at Skywalker Ranch is because of Ben. So yeah, he's, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a guru that you can, you can lean on when you need to. I know you had to go back to the archives for some of the classic voices. For instance, Carrie Fisher, would you talk about that? Sadly, Carrie Fisher passed away before any of the production had started on this film. And we had to go back to a lot of her uh, outtakes and unused footage from the Force Awakens to get a version of her scenes that would be applicable to our current movie. And we wanted to be very respectful of that process. We all love Carrie. She's like the heart of our Star Wars universe. And I, I had many opportunities to work with her over the years. And so on a personal level for me too, I wanted to make sure we were really respectful to that. And so the scenes were structured around what we had existing footage wise. So Chris Terrio and JJ put together those scenes to work with what we had for her. And same with the audio, we sort of mined a whole bunch of uh, samples and, and material that we had from her for Force Awakens and Last Jedi and, and, um, and behind the scenes footage actually that we had shot from her and unused footage to, to structure those together. So we were able to kind of put that together for her for all the lines that were required for the movie. And with a combination of technology and editorial care from our dialogue department, Cheryl Nardi and Rich Quinn and... James Spencer uh, all treated that very respectfully and it was it was wonderful to see that all come together because I think it, it, it honored her character and and also worked on a technical level. Very delicate assignment. Yeah, for sure. Her daughter was involved and so uh, with the project uh, she's an actor in the film and also consulted for a lot of the, the new scenes that we had done, um, uh, Billy Lord. And so there was even scenes with uh, a younger uh, taken from footage from Return of the Jedi, a younger Leia. That was my next question, yeah, pra right. practicing with of a younger Luke. Luke and Leia. Yes, and so uh, Billy actually voiced all the breathing and, that and whatnot that we used for Carrie there, so it was 
kept in the family. Aside from the voices, were there other elements that you pulled from your archives? The great thing about Skywalker is we really, I mean, Dave and I and and others have gone through and really made a nice high-quality version of all the classic sounds and, and, and all the classic dialogue we have. My assistant, Trey Turner, went through and we took all the quarter inch from every role that's ever gone through Star Wars and digitized it all and it's all been cataloged. So, and we've kept that in a very restricted library. So, as Dave was saying, like the TIE Fighters and Millennium Falcon and you know, any lightsabers or anything that's legacy has been really restricted to Star Wars and you're not really hearing it in any other movies. So it has that emotional connection right away. And so we're very fortunate that that's stayed very sacred at Skywalker. So those elements were used in this film? Yes. So there were legacy sound effects used. Um, and then there's our, we have our own more current Star Wars libraries set of sounds we use as well. Some made from stuff that we did at Force Awakens. There's some, some elements from uh, Last Jedi we used, even stuff from Solo that I pulled to use for some of the Falcon stuff in this movie. Made some new Falcon stuff. I mean, it's every movie you, you we end up making um, between, you know, 1,000 and 3,000 new sound effects. So it, that's not enough for a Star Wars movie. So you have to lean on the previous libraries as well, too. Every scene is a sound effects moment in those movies. Now, Ben Bird also made the Wilhelm scream famous yeah. in his movies. Mm-hmm. Did you sneak that into this one? Not in this one, no. <laughs> no. We, I think uh, a few movies back, we kind of made the decision, and this is actually Ben was involved in this decision, that, that yes. Wilhelm had uh, had done its duty. And so, we, we you know, once it kind of became a thing that was known, I mean, you can hear that in video games and car commercials and television, film. It's, it's everywhere. So we were kind of like, all right, let's do something new. So we've actually... We have a new one. We have a new Scream that we've been putting in. Um, Since Clone Wars. Yeah, Clone Wars. So tell us about the new Scream. Well, it's, it's in, it's it's in, all, the, yeah, it's in all the Star Wars <laughs> movies. It's in, other, it's in some other uh, movies too, but it's... it's um, we'll, see if, we'll see if people pick up on it eventually. Yeah, it's very dear to us, the Scream. Uh, and, um, but it is, it is in all everything since Force Awakens. Yeah, I think. it's yeah. A, our little sound Easter egg that nobody's quite grabbed onto yet. Yeah. So... But it's is, there. Is it an archival scream or is it someone it, it is. that you recorded? It yeah. is an archival scream. But it, it's not, we did not record it new for these movies. That's correct. Okay. Yeah. It's, we could probably give an, a, a range. It's like late 70s, early yeah. 80s. It yeah. was recorded. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about some of the new voices for the new characters in yeah. this film. Tell us about um, Babu Freak. Babu Freak, amazing. I mean, right when we started working on the film, it was funny because I was told, Oh, the puppeteer's voice is in there currently for Babu Freak, and, and most of the time it'll be like, okay, well then let's we'll, we'll go hire a voice actor and we'll experiment with it with a, a character like that. But and I remember just the first time I listened to it, I was like, well, that's for a puppeteer. That's amazing. Like it was funny, just got the point across for the character. I think it really it drove story forward, and the interaction with C three PO was hilarious. And I kept saying, I don't think we're gonna find something better. And then it turned out that I, I just misheard that they actually had the the woman who voiced Babu Freak, who's uh, Shirley Henderson, came in and they taught her the puppeteering trade so she could improv and actually move the character's mouth. So she was puppeteering while she was doing the improv for the character. And she kind of came up with that language and uh, performed it that way. And so we preserved all of her production sounds. So that was entirely shot on set live with her own movement. And then we had an interesting thing happen where we do, you know, 27 different languages of this film. So when we went out to London to go do the international versions, we had Shirley come in 
and do all the little pieces that were in English. She had like, you know, droid is ready, she says. And so we had to, she actually phonetically learned that in all the languages in like, you know, Japanese, Spanish, German. And she came in and did, we had a specialist there and she learned every language and said them all. And it was hilarious to watch. She's an incredible actor and very understated, but professional. And it was uh, fun to watch that. Bobby Frick, can you help us with this? Zori, is this gonna work? A diga babu, a tu and uta. He says he's found something in your droid's forbidden memory bank. Words translated from Sith. That's it. Yeah, that's what we need. Who are you hanging out with that speaks Sith? Can you make him tra- Babu, can you make him translate it? Uta valadikta. Yes, Yes, but it will cause a complete, a complete memory wipe. Wait, wait, wait. We make him translate it, he won't remember anything. Good. Remember, I go black. Oh, black, black. There must be some other way. Doesn't R2 back up your memory? Oh, please. R2 storage units are famously unreliable. Tell us about the last scene. How did you even begin to approach it? Well, it was in the script for a long time that we were going to have this moment where Ray is sort of knocked out on the canvas and it's her like, you know, get up and face your demons and do this. And so she's reaching out through the force through the whole movie. And this is our moment to connect. And it was really quiet. It was, you know, just her looking out into a star field and we have this, these voices come in. So we, we had the opportunity to go back and get every voice you hear in there is new. And so, you know, we got Ewan McGregor and Liam Neeson and Sam Jackson and uh, yeah, actually, we had a little teeny clip of Alec Guinness that we used, yeah, um, in there too. But it was so fun to have them come in, and we'd written a whole bunch of lines basically to be motivational and different kind of different performances. And so we cut that together, and we actually brought Ben Bird in to help with some of the original putting that scene together, just because we thought it would be a, a good fit for him. And so he came in and, and gave a pass on that, uh, and then it, it changed and evolved and became what you hear. But it was wonderful to have all the actors come back and be able to revisit their characters. And I had to fly all around the world to go get them all. And and uh, everyone just has such a great love for Star Wars. And it was so fun to see all the different eras of Star Wars represented in that moment. And so we tried to find Jedi from Clone Wars and from Rebels and from the prequels and, and, have, and then put those all together and motivates Rey to get up and face Palpatine for the final battle. So... And it ends with Luke Skywalker telling her to get up, and then she has both sabers in her hand from Luke and Leia. Spoiler. And yeah, sorry. I guess there were a lot of people <laughs> seen the movie. But uh, a wonderful, wonderful montage to put in there. Audio only, too, which was great. Any anecdotes you could share about during that recording with one of the actors? Because, you know, again, there's such a history there bringing them all back. Everyone was very happy. There was a lot of grins going on. And I had worked with most of those actors already in my previous, um, I think the very first actor I ever recorded for when I worked on Star Wars was Liam Neeson. So having him come back in New York and record was great. And also getting to hear JJ explain the story of Ray and and how it's all coming together was was, was amazing to watch. And I, I could tell you that every single one of those actors would love to get back into Star Wars again. And uh, Ewan McGregor is going to, we know that, with his Obi-Wan series. But even the animated characters like Ahsoka Tano, wonderful to have Ashley Eckstein come in and do that. And, yeah, and Freddie did and, came and, in. Yeah, yeah. yeah so that's right. Freddie Prince Jr. came in, and you know, and everyone just treats the Je- and they're all Jedi, so they're all very reverent and 
I'm very aware of what they represent. And it was beautiful sessions. They were great. What part of your work kept you up at night and just was the most challenging? And how did you address it? Um, I think the very last couple of months on the film is our final mix, which is just kind of go time for JJ. And we're all in there together, burning some late nights. And his mind is so creative and we can jump all over the place for him. And we, we want to just be prepared and have like the most. You have to have a lot of options yeah. at, at the ready. Um, Especially if it's a big sound design moment, you know, or like like the lightning on Exegol was a good example of that, where he wanted non-lightning, non-literal lightning sounds for, for Exegol. So I made these lightning sounds for it, and he felt that that was still too lightning-ish, too, too thundery sounding. So he kind of warped it a little bit more, kind of stepped away from lightning a little bit. Well, it's still too... And he wanted it really shrieky and unearthly the lightning's coming from the core of the planet out towards the sky versus the sky down on this planet that's the way lightning works on exegol apparently uh so we ended up with this sort of shrieking horrible animal like uh, sounds with this sort of precursor kind of whine to it and that's kind of where the, the lightning ended up but that was nowhere near where we started and that kind of evolved in the in the final mix. It's just things like that you kind of have to be on your toes for. Um, yeah, I think everybody on our crew had worked with JJ and Star Wars already, including the picture department and and our sound department. So we all were was ready. Our fourth go around, I think. Yeah, yeah, and a lot of things came together with that. And JJ really is hands on. So I mean, I know he spent time with Dave, redoing, you know, per effectively performing BB-8 with Dave for a lot of the new yeah. scenes, um, which yeah. was fantastic. You know. Yeah, yeah, he's 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 uh, he's very sound um, aware. He's a musician, uh, and so he he knows the tools. When he comes into my uh, design suite and we're I'm you know showcasing you know whatever sound effect it is at that moment, he's asking questions about like plugins and settings and you know are you using sound toys? What is that? And nothing gets by him. He's <laughs> he's, uh, he's, a, he's a brilliant guy and uh, really knows his stuff. And you have to be on your toes. <laughs> and uh, be ready to, uh, to deliver. We spotted the fugitives. Take us through the schedule of a movie like this. When do you come on and how long are you working on the project? Sure. So Matthew and I went to London September of 2018 to read the script and to talk to JJ about any early. They were still shooting, by the way, it was pretty early on in their shooting. Visit some set pieces and just sort of, you know, get sort of uh, germinate some ideas, I guess. That was when we first started talking about D.O. Mm -hmm. It was around that time and getting some ideas together for D.O. A couple of other things, too, we were kind of talking about. But it was so early on, and his focus is on shooting at that time. But we read the script then. Um, that's when we started working, in, a, I guess, in a way, on, on D.O.'s voice. Right. That, that kind of went through a number of changes for the next few months. I think by the time they came back from shooting in February of 2019, we were kind of on full time at that point. And that's when we're 
really diving into sound design, field recording, all that stuff, getting some ADR recorded, getting, you know, gathering all of our, uh, all of our pieces. And then most of the crew starts coming on around um, June, I guess, something like that. Yeah. And editorial moves along until around August or September, I think. We did pre-mixes for effects and, and for dialogue. The final mix started in October. And uh, we wrapped up right before Thanksgiving. And, uh, yeah, about a couple of weeks before the movie came out, I think. Yeah, yeah. Then we, then we went on to London to go do the international mixes for a couple of weeks. And then... Yeah, close to a year, maybe, maybe yeah. 10 months, something like that. Yeah. It's very, I mean, I, Kathy Kennedy has extended this uh, same courtesy to the sound department that George Lucas used to, which was to have us come on very early and get ideas and start building libraries and recording and going on assignments and going out to the set and actually, yeah, putting the character, the droid D.O. in our hands and get to look at it and talk to the, the you know, the puppeteers who are moving it and just really um we it's an inclusive process for us so that was that that is a a rare commodity which um yeah. we very nice. much appreciate the, and and it's been that way on every film the last five movies we've done yeah it's not normal that that the post production sound department gets that level of consideration and access um that early on so that's that's really great that they think to do that so what were some of the most surprising sounds that you had to go out and record for this film um let me think. One of the most fun things I went out and recorded was um, there's a it's called a carbon arc uh, welder, and it's a bundle of carbon rods that will I can't remember how much you know electricity you're powering through these things, but it's I imagine it's quite a bit considering the size of the generator. But it's uh, it's two bundles of carbon rods with an arc between them, uh, electrical arc. It was used back in theater. Um, you could spark these things. You know, it's brilliant light, like blinding, literally blinding light, really loud. Uh, it was used in theater uh, to emulate uh, lightning and, and thunder. So, and, and Ben recorded those, Ben Burt, um, for uh, various things back in, in the 70s for Star Wars for lightsabers clashing together and various sounds like that. Uh, so I wanted to do my own carbon art recording, so I found a guy in, in Boulder, Colorado that still had some of these old carbon rods. They're kind of hard to find, I guess. So record some of that stuff, and it was an incredible sound. It was just, and I ended up using some of that for lightsabers arcing. Uh, some of it I ended up using for force lightning for, for Palpatine. Some of it I was using for the Exegol lightning at a, at a point, too. Then we kind of abandoned that and went with the more shrieky stuff that's in the movie now. But yeah, the carbon stuff was pretty cool. Now, you also were working on The Mandalorian during mm -hmm. this time. Yeah. How did you juggle both of these projects? I have off? no idea. Yeah, we had <laughs> Mandalorian, uh, Star Wars Resistance, which is the animated show we're doing on um, Disney XT. So all of those are going. And Twins. And Oh, that's right. And the Clone Wars new season yeah. that's coming out. So a lot. we have a great team at Skywalker. And um, Bonnie Wilde helped us out on Mandalorian, which we just won a MIPSI award for, so that was very congratulations. Fun. Thanks, thanks. But uh, yeah, we have a great team, and you know, everyone. I think the fact that we were coming up to the the sort of conclusion of the Skywalker story, we wanted to make sure we had the best team together for this. And some people had had moved on from Star Wars a little bit, but I, we grabbed them all back, and we said, anyone that's been part of this, we want to bring together again, and let's finish this right. So we really did have a crew of people very focused on on giving the Skywalker story a proper send-off. And we knew J.J. was going to be 
super enthusiastic in the creation of this story. So we wanted to like really, really match his enthusiasm and get a great crew together. And I feel like um, we got everyone we wanted. Yeah, we, we met with um, John Favreau and Dave Filoni last January, January 2019. Did some rudimentary spotting of Mandalorian. That's when we got our first glimpses of the of the show. Spotting meaning we went through the show and, and they gave us direction of what they wanted things to sound like. That's basically what, what spotting is. Uh, and spent most of January and part of February making a, a library for, for Bonnie uh, to cut with for, for Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. And I have to ask, would you tell us about Baby Yoda's vocalizations? <laughs> so I was recording animals um, at this uh, wildlife rescue outside of San Diego. Um, two of the animals were uh, I recorded had this really cute, you know, little almost childlike quality to them. One was a bat-eared fox, and one is a kinkajou. And so the initial the child or baby Yoda or whatever you want to call him, his initial vocal was just made up of those two creatures. And then John Favreau thought that they needed to be more human sounding or something a little more relatable, I guess. So he dialed way back on the animal part. And now you just, that's just kind of there for little grunts and coos and uh, purring. That's, that's really what the animal vocals are used for now. We use some real baby vocal for when he gets really fussy and, and that kind of thing. And then I have some of my own vocal in there too for for more of the uh, articulated um, uh, vocalizations, pitched way up. Uh, obviously, this voice can't do <laughs> Baby Yoda without some help. Um, but yeah, so it's it's a combination of things. Yeah. Are there other areas where you used your voices? You know, it's funny. On The Mandalorian, we have eight episodes, so we went through, and we have a limit, uh, you know, a more limited budget on, on Mandalorian, so we actually went through and, and got a handful of actors, four or five of us, went through all eight episodes and did every alien stormtrooper masked character that we could do. Um, and so David and I are, are SAG actors as well. And so we ended up, um, what was it? Episode two, right? The, with the Jawas. Yeah. So mm-hmm. the Jawa scene, we went at and, and re-recorded all the Jawas in there. So we had a lot of uh, moments there. And it's funny because most of the actors we hire are Star Wars fans. We have uh, David Collins and Terry Douglas and Gray Delisle. We did all the yeah. So so there's the, the the great scene where Mandalorian finally gets to the top of the crawler, and he's faced with fifteen Jawas at, with their guns at the. And rim. they all raise their gun. Yeah, we went back, and everyone knew that the exact moment where R two gets stunned in New Hope in uh, the first Star Wars movie when the Jawa jumps out and hoodaka. And so we we basically all said that same word, and because we all knew it, and so uh, and that was not scripted. That was something we came up with in loop group. That's one thing I'll, I'll I will talk about is Terry Douglas. We use for our loop group, and she just puts together a great group of SAG actors for us. And we've done every single film in the in the sequel era, including Mandalorian, and we get a really top notch uh, group of voice actors, and they come in, and we just. We do. We conquer all the aliens and masked characters and stormtroopers. And there's a whole scene where the the Jawa chief is negotiating with the Mandalorian, where they sit down and he's kind of making fun of the Mandalorian's dialect and all that. That's that was me doing my best yeah. Jawa impression. And of course, we have to sort of South Park it and pitch it up five semitones or or whatever it was. They will trade all the parts for the best car. I'm not going to trade anything. These are my parts. They stole them from me. Oh, 
You understand this? Yeah, and I took some of that Jawa work and we actually made a song that's playing in the cantina at the Disneyland Park. Uh, it's called Utini something. I can't remember what it's called, but that's myself and David Collins singing as Jawa. <laughs> we had to come up with the, all the, uh, the dialogue for that. So, yeah, it's... Uh, it's a fun part of the job once in a while is to get to play in that arena. Are you involved in other aspects of the park? Yeah, we, uh, you know, Skywalker Sound is fully consulted and used um, for all the sound you hear in the park. Um, the two rides, the new ride that just opened, plus the Falcon ride, and all the ambiences you hear around the park and the ships taking off and all that. Um, Disney has really utilized us to build that environment. I play one of the characters that's walking around in the park and talking to people. I, I, they've got my voice uh, in there. And yeah, it's uh, that park is pretty phenomenal. I mean, it really does feel like you're in Star Wars. And I, I just rode the new ride. Um, uh, it's called Rise of the Resistance. So yes, I, I rode that just recently, and I have not seen anything like that in real life, even on the sets. That has made me feel like Star Wars is real, and I, I really hope everyone gets a chance to see it. Which character are you? Uh, I voice when. Basically, uh, when Adam Driver doesn't want to do some of the voice work for Kylo, I end up I do Kylo for him. He knows I'm his sound alike, so I've done him in the Resistance series we have for uh, Disney XD in the Battlefront Two game, and and also in the park at uh, at Disneyland. Could you give us an example? Oh boy! <laughs> um, gosh, what you would sure you want to do this? I don't even, no, God, I don't even know. Um, I'll, you know, I'll, okay, you'd have to actually well. I don't want to spoil it, but you're, because I it, it's I use the mask as actually part of the performance, and then I pitch myself down, and it's one of those things I can't do without all the tech. But uh, speaking about that, that's the one of, one of those things where I was observing the way Adam was working. We actually, David and I, came up with how the mask sounds for Adam Driver, and that was something from Force Awakens where we wanted Adam to be able to use the mask microphonically to affect his performance and not just do it as a post-production process that we lay over the top and he has no say in what we're doing. So we we put headphones on him and we spent several hours at Bad Robot going through and finding a level of distortion and amplification and compression that would work to sound intimidating so Adam could really get quiet in his performance and it would bring it up and make it sound very intense. And he could hear the process in the headphones. I think maybe in one ear, and the yeah. other ear was dry. Yeah, and he could uh, adjust his delivery in, in a way that could best suit the voice process. I could really, you know, help it out. Because we thought about that, we were thinking, well, Darth Vader's helmet is there to keep him alive, but Kylo Ren's mask is more of an intimidation. So you'd think we were thinking in the story there might have been a day where Kylo Ren worked with his folks to you know the guys building his mask to say what's it going to sound like when i talk and so this is our time to do that so i remember when we did this we put adam in the booth i went and got a replica darth vader helmet and put it in front of him we put a spotlight on it turned all the lights off and we just had him sit in there and play with the voice over and over and we just got to a point where it worked and so we were able to preserve that and that was something that 
you know, later on, I use the same process when I'm performing as Kylo, and it really helps because you really can feel like you can really get microphonic and creepy about your performance, and it and it's it's part of the the character. Here we go. You said they had information, trooper. They said differently earlier, sir. You brought me here on their word. They should be flattered. You should be afraid. So for each of you, how does it feel to see the, the film series conclude, but then you also have these additional projects so you're not stepping away from the Star Wars universe just yet? I'm really excited to see where we go with streaming. I like this. Um, I mean, Dave and I have done a lot of episodic work at Skywalker. You know, we, we did the Clone Wars series. That was hundreds of episodes there. And then we did Rebels and Resistance. And even before that, I did the Young Indiana Jones Chronicles. So there's a lot of... I, I like the episodic work and the quality that we put into it, we're, we're given a, a budget to actually be able to put a high level of quality into the show. And so it just it just means a lot of different stories and, uh, you know, new directors and editors and people to come in. And I, I am very enthusiastic to see how we approach our streaming at, at Lucasfilm. Yeah, I, I think we were all very curious to see how Lucasfilm uh, would handle a live action show. And I and I. I I think they really knocked it out of the park here. It's yeah. it's um and and they've built a nice template for future live action work for Disney Plus. Um, so yeah, we're we're really excited to um to be a part of that. And and there's other franchises too. I think that are uh, getting more on board with the episodic content train. That uh, I'm curious about to, to see where those go as well. Like like Marvel, and I'm sure there's others. Pixar, Marvel, Pixar, yeah. yeah. Would each of you tell us how you got into the business and found yourself at Skywalker? Oh, yeah. I started as a video games tester when I was 17 years old, testing Secret of Monkey Island. And then I ended up, uh, at the same time, this was when George Lucas was developing a uh, nonlinear editing system for sound called Soundroid, and he was developing it internally at Lucasfilm along with uh, edit droid because he wanted to make tools to have available to do this new prequel you know he was investigating to see if he could internally do the post-production process affordably and have a lot of options in his editorial process and so uh the call was given out we need to get that kid from the games division to come in here and try to break our program because i was one of the their top testers and so he hired me to work uh, on Soundroid. And then that technology we used on Young Indiana Jones Chronicles, and then subsequently sold that to Avid, and also that the nonlinear sort of editing way became the standard, and I got asked to supervise his movies, starting with the prequels and the remastering of episodes four, five, and six. So, yeah, that's how I started, and then it just never left, because it was such a beautiful <laughs> place, Skywalker Ranch, and just the, the vibe there, and the people, and the staff, and the story I loved as a kid, Star Wars. So, it's all been... A little bit of a dream, really. This will be my thirtieth year this year. And David, I started out in production, so I was like a boom operator on on set. I did that for six or seven years. Seven years, I guess. Um, spent the last probably couple years of that career trying to get into Skywalker <laughs> or trying to get into post production. I was living in the Bay Area, and uh, I was just knocking on doors and knocking on doors, um, sending in resumes and. Uh, Matt and I actually talked at one point uh, he didn't have anything available at the time and then uh, maybe a year later reconnected to, with Matt through a mutual friend actually uh, ended up having uh, lunch together a position was opening up 
and Matt hired me on as uh, his apprentice on episode two, Attack of the Clones, back in, this was in 2001, I think? Yeah. Something like that, yeah. And uh, I've stayed at Skywalker ever since, and Matt and I have worked on uh, almost every Star Wars Everything. project. Everything. <laughs> since then. <laughs> yeah. And would you like to give a shout out to your sound team? Yeah, of course. Yeah, sure. of course. Rise of Skywalker, Addison Teague, and uh, Justin Doyle are my sound effects editors. Uh, D. Selby and Richard Gould are my Foley editors. Ronnie Brown and Blake Collins, uh, Frank Ranella, and Margie O'Malley were all uh, Foley walkers and mixers. Dialogue team uh, was Richard Quinn, Cheryl Nardi, James Spencer, who have all done wonderful work with Star Wars over the years with us. And uh, our assistants were Koya Elliott and Trey Turner. If we combined all the years of Star Wars experience in there, it would be like over 100 at least. And then our mixers were uh, Andy Nelson and Christopher Scarabosio and our production sound recordist, Stuart, Stuart Wilson. Wilson. So all everybody's Star Wars veterans in there. So oh, yeah. very, very happy. Yeah. And then we had Robbie Stambler at, uh, at Bad Robot uh, facilitating a lot of our connection between the picture department and Skywalker. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you very much. Fantastic. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.